Hello everyone, Bobby Wilson here from the TNT College Football Podcast. Glad to be back on this evening. Hope everybody's doing well. If you're listening to this, you're listening to my next uh, college football chat. We've just completed week zero um, last night. Uh, great to have college football back. Uh, the appetizer that was set by week zero was just, it was just amazing to uh, to have it back and just, uh, it's awesome. As All of us as diehard fans, we're excited to have it back and we can't wait. Um, first off though, I got to give a huge thank you to everybody. Uh, if you follow my podcast, Twitter account or X account, at TNT College Foot One, uh, you saw just the other day I uh, was uh, told about the passing of my great grandfather, 102 years old, lived an absolutely fantastic life, um, served in World War II, uh, stormed the beaches of Normandy on D-Day, um, and just an unbelievably long, fantastic life. Um, wonderfully, wonderfully good Christian man. And uh, not, I'm not sad one bit because you, you live 102 years. I mean, what a fantastic life. But more importantly, I know exactly where he is right now. I know he's sitting with our Heavenly Father up in heaven, and he's in paradise with uh, my great-grandmother and his wife, Eileen. So my great-grandpa Vern was his name. Um, just a... Like I said, those two were married for 70-plus years. Just what a gift. What an absolute gift. Uh, my my children, there's not too very many people who could say that they had great, great, great grandparents. Um, like I said, he was 102 years old. So what an unbelievable life he lived and uh, the amazing things that he did throughout his life. But more importantly, like I said, I know where he's at. He's in heaven with our Lord and Savior um, and with his wife. So I know I know they're both very, very, very happy looking down on me and my family. Um, just just a blessing to be able to have someone around like that and, and be a part of your life. And uh, But again, I just want to say thank you to everybody for the condolences that they gave me and the messages that I've received. Uh, it, it's, it's been a blessing. And uh, truly, truly thankful for uh, everybody reaching out to me about that. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you for that before I got into uh, talking about uh, college football. Um, but let, we got to dive into uh, to week zero. I mean, we had games this week. Thank goodness. That first game, we get Navy against Notre Dame and Dublin Island. Normally, I hate uh, neutral site games. But if there's going to be a neutral site game, Notre Dame and Dublin, Ireland, I understand. So I, I, I get that one. I get it. And having Navy there, it makes sense. I mean, that brand is everywhere, obviously. It's worldwide, obviously. But holy smokes, Notre Dame looks pretty darn good. Um, Sam Hartman looked darn near flawless. I only saw him throw one bad pass the whole game. Uh, 19 for 23, 251 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, just like I said, he looked great. Of course, is Navy Navy actually has a decent defense, or they they did last year. But I think Notre Dame is going to be that good. Sam Hartman's a top 10 quarterback in college football. 
Then Audric Estime, the running back, he looks like a top 10 running back as well. I mean, he was fantastic out there. He had a rushing touchdown, 95 yards, nearly six yards per carry. Um, this <laughs> this is going to be a scary football team moving forward. Like I said, yeah, Navy's not the, the greatest competition, we can say, but this team's good. This Notre Dame football team is good. Next week they play Tennessee State, first time they've ever they've ever going to play an FCS pro program. Uh, Eddie George is the coach there, so that's fun. Um, then you look at their schedule. I mean, just looking at their schedule down down the road, they play at NC State, they host Central Michigan, they host Ohio State, they go to Duke, they go to Louisville, host USC, host Pitt, go to Clemson, host Wake Forest, go to Stanford. I mean, they got an, a a rough schedule. They, they play some of the top teams in the ACC. You got to go to NC State. Got to go to Duke. Got to go to Louisville. You host Pitt. You got to go to Clemson. Host Wake Forest against Sam Hartman's old team. I mean, that's tough. That's tough. And then you throw in hosting Ohio State and USC. So, I mean, the way this team looked, though, on Saturday, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch this team. It really is. And this is coming from somebody who grew up as a diehard Michigan fan. But I respect it. I respect it. And in like like I do now, I try to be as neutral as I possibly can for teams. And this is a good football team, this Notre Dame team. Like I said, they got a top 10 quarterback, a top 10 running back probably. This is this is a good football team. A, this is a darn good football team. And – you got to look at Navy, and you got to be a little worried. I mean, that, yeah, that, like, Notre Dame's good, but Navy looked pretty darn bad. They don't play this week, so maybe they can get that bad taste out of their mouth. Then they play Wagner, who's one of the worst teams at the FCS level. Good opportunity there for them to get back on track. But you wonder how it's going to go for them in the AAC. Um, just after this performance, obviously there's a lot to work on. But, again, it's early, and hopefully they can turn things around and get things going. But kudos to Notre Dame for an absolutely fantastic performance. Um, that looks like a team that could potentially make the playoff. Again, extremely difficult schedule down the road. Navy not the best team, obviously. But just watching them, they, they were the most impressive team of the weekend. Let's just say that. Uh, the next game down the uh, – and, and, and first off, oh, before I go into the next game, I, on Twitter uh, or X now, uh, please follow my account at TNT College Foot One. Every Saturday, I, every Saturday morning I will be posting some different things that I, I'm looking at going into that, that day's slate of games. And going into yesterday, the three things that I put out were Notre Dame would win big. A lot of people were saying this game was going to be close, closer than everybody thought. Some were even saying Navy was going to win. I, I got that one right. The next one I said, I said Jacksonville State would win their first game as an F, FBS program, their first game in Conference USA. I'll get to that in a second. They won that game. Then the third thing I said, this probably isn't going crazy out on a limb, but I said USC would not cover the spread. The spread was 30 and a half. They won by 28. Like, because I thought it was a slap in the face to Chevon Cordero, the quarterback at San Jose State, who's the best quarterback in the Mountain West, to say that the spread would be that that large. Granted, USC's offense is fantastic. We know that. Their defense, I'll get into it when I uh, talk about them a little bit. 
Still very questionable. But looking at that Jacksonville State game, they won at UTEP 17-14. to Wasn't a pretty football game. Um, UTEP, very questionable play calling, coaching decisions down the stretch. Um, the, I mean, Coach Dimmel was already probably on the hot seat, probably even more so now. Um, but kudos to Jacksonville State uh, for huge, huge win. I mean, just absolutely a fantastic win for them. Shout out to Quay Drake, who I had on the show this summer, friend of the podcast, had a had a great game for himself. Led the the uh, Gamecocks and tackles with eleven. Uh, really excited to see that for him and for this program moving forward. I, I'm excited to see what they can do moving forward. I think they're going to do well at this level, and and I, I really think that they can be 500 this season. I really do. Uh, the next game, uh, UMass winning a road game at the FBS level uh, for the first time, I believe, since 2015, I want to say. I want to say that's what I saw. Um, they beat a, a, a good New Mexico State team. New Mexico State won a bowl game last year, and they returned a lot, including quarterback Diego Pavia, who had three touchdown passes and two two interceptions. Um, I, I was – I was a little bit surprised by the result of this game. I really was. I thought New Mexico State would win this game. I knew UMass would be improved. I knew that. But, man, they, they looked pretty good. They really did. Uh, four rushing touchdowns. Tyson Pumacan, the transfer from, uh, from Clemson and Georgia Tech. Man, he looked good. Really excited to see that for him. Uh, just... Uh, just <laughs> Just a great performance by UMass. I mean, their their defense looks looks pretty good. I, 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 I'm excited to watch this team moving forward. I really am. Because I think they're going to surprise some people. I really do. What a performance by those guys. I know I have a lot of UMass followers. Shout out to you guys for that win and, and for, the, for the huge, huge thing that it is for you guys in that program. Really excited about you guys and, and the opportunity here. The next game, many thought would be the best game of the day, San Diego State against Ohio. San Diego State wins 20-13. to Unfortunately, Curtis Rourke went down with an injury. Thoughts and prayers with him. Uh, he's returning from an ACL injury, returning MAC player of the year. Uh, I have not seen a status on, on what's potentially going on with him. I, I, I hope and pray that it's nothing too serious, but it didn't look good. That injury did not did not look good, man. And I and I I hope and pray that he's okay. I really do. Um, just we're we're you want to see the best players play. You do, and uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to play to end the game there. And I really believe if he plays that game that uh, that Ohio wins that football game. I, I really believe that. I really believe that if Curtis Rourke wins that game. And, and I heard, I don't know how true this is. I don't know how true this is. I can't confirm this. I heard he was cleared to go back in the game. And the coaches were just worried coming off the injury not to let him go back in there. But, I, again, I firmly believe if he plays that game, Ohio wins that football game. So it's unfortunate to see that. Uh, but, again, it, it, it's not the end of the world for them 
as, as they can still win the MAC title. Obviously, it's still this is a non-conference game. Kudos to San Diego State for winning the game. That's a good win. Uh, but moving forward, it'll be interesting to see how both these teams shake out throughout the year. San Jose State, USC, USC's offense looked great. Um, like I said before, I thought it would be closer. Again, 28 points isn't close really, but it was a game going into halftime. Caleb Williams, 278 yards, four touchdowns. Looked good. We, we all know what to expect from him. He's going to be good. Um, Austin Jones, six carries, 54 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Um, some, some, so <clears throat> this, this is a good football team. And, and then to see Zachary Branch, 96-yard kickoff return, he's going to be special. I'm just, just excited to see what they can do moving forward. But is their defense going to be good enough? Chevon Cordero, kudos to him, 198-yard passing, three passing touchdowns. Uh, their running back, Quale Conley, had 108 yards rushing on six carries. He ran. He had a 57-yard run in the game. Nick Nash had six catches, 89 yards, three touchdowns as, as a receiver for them. San Diego State's going to be good. They're going to be just fine in the Mountain West. They turn around and play uh, a week from today, next Sunday. They host Oregon State, who's, who's another really good football team out of the Pac-12. So, I think San Jose State's going to be good. USC offensively, we know what we got. But USC defensively, I, I don't know if they're good enough to win the Pac-12. Granted, game one, yes, it's game one. But still, they, they gave up too much. 396 total yards, 24 first downs. Uh, San Jose State won the time of possession. Just, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like moving forward. I'm really intrigued. Granted, USC schedule moving forward. They got Nevada this week. They host Stanford. Go to Arizona State. Go to Colorado. Host Arizona. October 14th, they go to Notre Dame that night. That's when their schedule gets tough. Because then they go to Notre Dame. They host Utah. Go to Cal. But host Washington. Go to Oregon. And then host UCLA. That's when their schedule gets tough. Those last five of those last six games could be against ranked teams. So kind of easing into the schedule a bit for them, but they they got to they got to get the defense. They got to get the defense better. In probably the craziest game of the day, Louisiana Tech and FIU. Louisiana Tech wins 22 to 17. They were down 17 to 3 in the second quarter. Score 19 unanswered points um, to win the game. Uh, but it was ugly. It was ugly. I mean, you look at Louisiana Tech, Hank Bachmeyer comes in, the transfer from Boise State, 333 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, the, the best player in the team, though, is Smoke Harris. He's arguably an All-American as an all-purpose player. Had 11 catches, 155 yards, and a touchdown. He, he is... He's a star. He is a star. I mean, he is he's an electric punt returner. He he didn't have an opportunity to do anything on that side of the ball, but he's a guy to watch moving forward in this open offense. I mean, he he could have a special special season. But this is a game Louisiana Tech controlled. I mean, you look at the stats of this game. It's unbelievable. 27 touchdown, 27 first downs to eight first downs, Louisiana Tech over FIU. Third down efficiency, 
8 for 16 from Louisiana Tech, 3 for 12 from FIU. Total yards, 450 from La Tech, 182 from FIU. I'll get into the passing yards momentarily. That's mind-blowing. They controlled the time of possession, 38-18 to 21-42, yet they only win by five, and they won in the fourth quarter by scoring, by having to score a touchdown with a minute left. FIU was up in this game with 101 to go. That's when La Tech scored a touchdown to win this game. Amazing to look at the stats of this game. The most mind-blowing statistic in this game, FIU quarterback Grayson James is 5 for 14 passing, completes five passes for four yards. Four yards. Here are their receiving statistics. Josiah Mianami, one catch for four yards. Chris Mitchell, one catch for two yards. Shyami Lawrence, one catch, zero yards. Antonio Patterson, one catch, zero yards. Dean Patterson, one catch, negative two yards. Five catches for four yards. That's incredible. There's triple option teams that do better than that. And FIU doesn't run the triple option. That's the amazing thing. Navy had a terrible game this week. They still pass for almost 50 yards. Unbelievable. And the, and the fact that FIU was winning this game with nearly a, a minute left, it, it's mind-blowing really to look at. That, that game was just so bizarre. Then the final game had a weather delay to start, um, but Vanderbilt beats Hawaii 35-28. to Vanderbilt put up a bazillion points on Hawaii last year. Hawaii, I was very, very impressed by Hawaii. Much improved football team. They scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. With 4.49 left, they still had a chance to win this game. Or tie the game, at least. So, kudos to Hawaii. More total yards than Vanderbilt. More first downs than Vanderbilt. They controlled the time of possession on Vanderbilt. Very, very impressed by them. I, I think Hawaii has a chance to be bowl eligible. Braden Schneider, their quarterback, 351 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, their leading receiver, Ashlock, uh, Pafale Ashlock had seven catches, 127 yards on touchdown. Then Stephen McBride, seven catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Kudos to those guys. Really good performances. And then Isaiah Tufaga, eight catches or eight tackles and two sacks. Um, really, really impressed by this Hawaii team. But then you got to give Vanderbilt credit. They won the football game. A.J. Swan, 258 yards passing, three touchdowns. Um, just uh, this this team looks – they look improved as well. But you got to give credit to Hawaii here uh, for, for being as improved as they are. <clears throat> Kudos to them. Uh, really, really impressed by, by them in this football game and how close they were able to keep it again. Team of the week has to look like Notre Dame for the performance that they had. Unbelievable. The craziest game of the week, like I said, FIU Louisiana Tech with the stats. You look at that game, it makes no sense how Louisiana Tech only won by five points and they need to win with only a minute left. <clears throat> so looking at the upcoming schedule, week one, of course, game's kicking off Thursday. That is my birthday, I might add. But uh, NC State, UConn, of course, me being a UConn guy with all the things that I do involving that program, I'm obviously watching that game very closely 
Florida against Utah. That was a great game last year. Return trip to Salt Lake City this year. Nebraska and Minnesota, a Big Ten game to start the season. Yo, that's always intriguing. So there are a couple intriguing games looking at that. Uh, a lot of FCS, FBS games there um, to look at. Then you shift to Friday. Um, Central Michigan, Michigan State, that's an interesting one. The Battle of the Miamis, Miami, Ohio, going to Miami, Florida. You got an ACC game Friday night, Louisville against Georgia Tech. That one will be interesting. And then another intriguing game, Stanford going to Hawaii. Hawaii looking as good as they did against Vanderbilt this week. Stanford is down tremendously. That's an intriguing one to look out for an upset there. I, I, I firmly believe after watching the Hawaii team this, this weekend, they can win that game. Then I've already picked UConn to beat NC State. It's NC State's favored by 15 points. Uh, hammer that one. That That's a definite UConn will cover that for sure. And I think UConn, obviously, like I've said, they win outright. Um, looking at Saturday, I, I went through some of the upsets that I could see happening um, This on this slate. I think Coastal has a real opportunity to win at UCLA. I see that one happening. Um, and then I went through, I, I've already said before, I think NIU wins at Boston College. Looking at some of these other ones, I, I know I mentioned some of these last week. I have the privilege. I will be at South Florida at Western Kentucky, uh, 2.30 start central time. Game will be on CBS Sportsnet. I have the privilege of making the trip to Bowling Green, Kentucky. Really excited about that. I will be field level. It's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have fans of both fan bases who follow me, tremendous people on both sides. I can't wait to meet anybody and everybody on both sides. It's going to be absolutely unbelievable. Uh, I had Austin Reed back on the show in the summer. Uh, just I can't wait to watch the leading passer in the country in action. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but looking at the rest of the schedule, uh, the game of the week is Sunday night. LSU, Florida State in Orlando. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be awesome. You got another Big Ten game on Sunday. Northwestern at Rutgers. Could be a battle between the two worst teams in the Big Ten, but still Big Ten football. Then Monday night, you got an ACC game. Clemson at Duke. That game is scary intriguing because Clemson's going to be going to be good. Duke is going to be really good as well. So I know a lot of people are going to say Clemson, 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 but Duke is good. Riley Leonard is a fantastic quarterback. Don't be surprised if Duke pulls off an upset in that game. I'm not going to call it, but don't be surprised if it happens. Then you got Oregon State, San Jose State also on Sunday. Three intriguing games on Sunday that I'm I'm excited to see. Glad to see that slate there. It's going to be fun to see how those go. But but like I said, I I think a good week one schedule. Of course, we're all excited about it. Week two is loaded from a schedule perspective. But again, we get football this week. We've got to be excited about that. It's going to be a ton of fun. Let me dive in now to some of the questions that I had. Uh, I answered this one on uh, Twitter and X, but I got this earlier last week. With the new 12-team playoff, will Notre Dame have an advantage being independent, being able to almost guarantee a spot through favorable scheduling of hand-picked opponents? I, I, I understand the thought in this, but... If it continues the way that they're going, they will have to play six ACC opponents every year. So that's something to look at, too. You don't get to handpick those games. 
But the other six, you could potentially do that. I firmly believe that they're going to want to continue the rivalries that they have in place with the likes of USC, Navy. Um, obviously, they they have Michigan on the schedule moving forward. They've played Michigan State, Purdue. I mean, you can go down the line. I mean, they want to continue the Stanford rivalry. There's a lot of moving parts with them. But if I'm looking at it, the way the way I think, I think it's a detriment to them, actually. Because the way I look at it is... If, if college football does move to these mega conferences, which I think we can all agree that that seems to be the way that it's going, but if that's really what happens, and say these conferences say we're going to play 10 conference games, that means they get two non-conference games, and say one of those games is against FCS, uh, just uh, one of those money games. That means you got one game against a non-conference. You think they're going to schedule Notre Dame? I, I don't think that. I think being not being in a conference hurts them moving forward because I think it takes away from that opportunity that they would have. And I know Notre Dame puts themselves on another pedestal compared to the rest of college football when it comes to that. But I, I think moving forward they have to put themselves in a conference because I don't think they're going to be able to schedule the way that they do now. I really don't think they're going to be able to do that. I think with the shifts – to the mega conferences that are unfortunately unfolding, I think it really hurts them actually from a scheduling perspective. I, I get the point made of you getting to handpick your schedule, but the way things are aren't now, like I said, they got six ACC opponents and six they can pick and choose what they want to do. But I don't think moving forward they're going to be able to pick and choose the way that they've been able to for so many years. That's the way I, I see it moving forward. But I, I, I understand in theory, absolutely, they would have an advantage. But it doesn't necessarily seem that way, um, in my opinion, moving forward. But looking at um, another question, uh, a really good follower of uh, my podcast and everything uh, on X at Canucks won't win. Uh, your thoughts on this? He he proclaims, and he proclaimed this on Saturday, August twenty sixth, that no SEC team goes undefeated in the conference. I don't think that's as crazy as so many people will think it is. I really don't think it's as crazy as everybody thinks. The SEC is absolutely loaded. Absolutely, I, we all. We all know that. We all know that Georgia, the number one team in the country, by the AP coaches poll, blah, blah, blah. I put them number two in my poll. I put Michigan number one uh, over Georgia. But preseason one and two doesn't really matter. Georgia's top, one of the top teams in the country. We all know that. You look at their schedule. They obviously have the best shot. They open up against UT Martin. They get Ball State. They have South Carolina. They have UAB. They don't have to go on the road until September 30th when they go to Auburn, who I'm not as high on. They host Kentucky, go to Vanderbilt. They got Florida and Jacksonville. Then they host Missouri, host Ole Miss. Then they end the year, they go to Tennessee, and they go to Georgia Tech. So their true road games on their schedule at Auburn, at Vanderbilt, at Tennessee, at Georgia Tech. Auburn, again, I'm not as high on. 
but I could see where some people might say, okay, maybe. Maybe that happens. Vanderbilt, we all understand that. Tennessee is obviously the game you look at that that could be the slip-up. I don't see a scenario where they lose a Georgia Tech. Georgia obviously has, but there's you, this person's obviously or saying that nobody goes undefeated in the SEC. So you look at that and you'd say, okay, the two games that Georgia might lose in the SEC would be at Auburn or at Tennessee. I don't think that's mind-blowing to say that they would lose one of those two. I think obviously every other team in the East, everyone agrees they're going to lose a game. You look in the West. LSU and Alabama are the top two. Everyone understands that. Looking at Alabama, they're ranked number four entering the year. They have they play Texas. A lot of people are saying Texas can beat them. That's not an SEC game, obviously. Looking at their SEC schedule, host Ole Miss, go to Mississippi State, go to Texas A&M, host Arkansas, host Tennessee, host LSU, go to Kentucky, go to Auburn. Very, very difficult to go undefeated in the SEC with that schedule. Very difficult, especially when you look at a stretch where you play Ole Miss at Mississippi State, at A&M, host Arkansas, host Tennessee, host Alabama. Then you throw in go to Kentucky, go to Auburn. That, that's extremely difficult. The thing they got going for them, you get Tennessee and LSU at home. Sandwich, there's a buy-in between the two of them. But, yes, I agree. It's going to be very difficult for Alabama to go undefeated in the SEC with that schedule. I don't think they do. I really don't think so. Then you look at LSU, their SEC schedule at Mississippi State, Arkansas, at Ole Miss, at Missouri, Auburn, at Alabama, Florida, and Texas A&M. I, I can see it where they don't, where they don't go undefeated in that. You go to Mississippi State. You go to Ole Miss. You go to Alabama. That's difficult. And go to Missouri. Missouri has shocked teams. And then I think we all agree that those other five, there's no way that they go undefeated. So, yes, I think a lot of people are going to sit there and say Georgia's going undefeated. Like, there's no doubt about it. But I don't think it's as clear cut as, as everyone else thinks. So I, I will agree with the with that listener that, that, that I could definitely see it happening. I do believe Georgia will go I do believe Georgia will go undefeated. I do. But it, it would not be earth shattering at all to see them lose at Tennessee. Or even at Auburn. So I, I can totally see that. Uh one of one of the other interesting comments that that I got uh some critical games across the country that you see in the first five to six weeks of play. Um, of course, the the game this Sunday um, with LSU-Florida State. I, I, I think we're all in agreement. That's the game of the week. We, we, we all kind of agree with this. It's the only game in week one that has two ranked teams against each other. So I, I can firmly see that game is going to mean everything. Playoffs, everything. The, the, the other game that I look at from a conference perspective in week one, Clemson at Duke. Don't be surprised if Duke pulls that game out. And if they do, that puts Clemson behind the eight ball for sure. 
Then looking at you go into week two from a from a Ole Miss Tulane is extremely interesting because if Tulane wins that game and then they they play actually I'm I, I'm sorry the I for well South Alabama's not ranked but they also play they play South Alabama week one that's a huge huge game at the G five level I should mention that one as well. South Alabama at Tulane. The winner of that could go to the New Year's Six Bowl, potentially. But then you look at Ole Miss at Tulane, two ranked teams playing against each other. That game's huge because if Tulane wins that and they beat South Alabama, they are the clear favorite to be the G5 representative. Obviously, you look at Texas-Alabama. That's monumental. The winner of that game is in the driver's seat, potentially, to a a college football playoff berth. Then you look at week three, Penn State at Illinois. I have Illinois winning the West. Penn State's going to be very, very good. That's a game to watch. That's going to be very, very interesting to see how that game goes. I'm really intrigued by that game. I I personally think that that's one of the game, potentially the game of the week for week three. I, I, I really do. Then another game to look at there, Tennessee and Florida play. That's always an intense battle. It's in the swamp. It'll be really interesting to see from a conference perspective how that goes. Tennessee should win. They're better than Florida this year. But it's interesting to see like if Florida is able to pull that out, what that could do for them moving forward. Um, week four, Wisconsin at Purdue, obviously the Big Ten West. All those games are huge. You got Ole Miss at Alabama. Alabama, can they get things Going in the right direction, obviously, starting SEC play. Arkansas at LSU, that's a big one. The be- the biggest one that week is Florida State-Clemson. Obviously, that game is monumental, not only in the ACC, but college football playoff. Um, so that one's huge. Then Ohio State-Notre Dame, monumental game there. Winner puts, puts themselves in the driver's seat for a college football playoff berth. Then you got Iowa at Penn State, whiteout. That's going to be a special game. Uh, week five, Utah at Oregon State. Could be a Pac-12 title game. The top five of the Pac-12, absolutely loaded. Georgia at Auburn. Like I said, that's one of the two games potentially that Auburn could lose. LSU goes to Ole Miss. Alabama goes to Mississippi State. You look at those maybe as potential hiccups. South Carolina at Tennessee, that's a big game. Notre Dame at Duke, that's a big game because that could be one of those games where Notre Dame – they get a they they could potentially lose that game. That's after they play Ohio State as well. So interesting there. Then you look at week six, Kansas State at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State kind of has a favorable schedule from the Big Twelve perspective. So if they're able to beat Kansas State, that would be absolutely huge, huge, huge opportunity there. Maryland at Ohio State. Really intrigued by this game because Maryland is good. They are good. I think if they were in the West this year, they would win the West but they're the fourth best team in the East. So one of these years, Maryland's going to beat one of these, either Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. So look at that. Alabama at Texas A&M, that's a big one. Oklahoma, Texas, of course, big game. So those are kind of the games, just looking at it right now in the first six weeks of the schedule, just kind of looking at it, seeing like, okay, these could be the games where you could see uh, shaping shaping things in the college football world so 
obviously, we got a lot coming up in week one here. Going to be really, really fun to watch everything unfold. Like I said before, I will be heading to Bowling Green, Kentucky to see South Florida, the USF Bulls, take on the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Uh, obviously, uh, as a those who don't know, I'm a stadium traveler. My bucket list was to attend a home game at every FBS stadium. Going to take me a while to do it. This will be number stadium number 10 on the uh, podcast travels. So really, really excited about this. Uh, uh, bucket list item also to get a picture taken with Big Red. So hoping I can get that. Uh, but again, super excited to see last season's leading passer, Austin Reed, in action. Um, if, if, if you haven't listened to the interview I had with him earlier in the summer, uh, please take a listen to that. It was absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to see Malachi Corley in action too, one of the best wide receivers in college football. And then really excited to see USF and new head coach Alec Golish in the, in the new regime they have going. He's got things going in the right direction there. And again, I have fan base, or fans from both fan bases. I'm really, really excited to meet as many people as I possibly can. Really excited for the opportunity to be field level for this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Just a, a great atmosphere. I cannot wait to be a part of this. So really looking forward to it, though. But Hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to this podcast. Again, we're all excited. College football's back. We got that appetizer from week zero. Week one's here. We got a couple days until Thursday night, August 31st, until we get more games. And then we're really rolling from then on. But it's But it's great to have college football back. I know we all agree with that. So wherever you're watching a game this week, whether it's at home or you're traveling to somewhere, uh, enjoy it. It's a blessing to be able to cover college football. It's a blessing to be able to watch college football. Uh, it's a blessing to be a part of this, and uh, I, I don't take it lightly. <clears throat> I, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to do this every week, to jump on here, talk college football. Um, just, just, just absolutely love it. So if you're traveling anywhere, safe travels to you. I'll be praying that everybody's travels go smoothly. Hope you would do the same for me. Um, as, as, uh, I get out of work at, uh, 1130 or midnight on Fridays, get some sleep, get a little bit of sleep, wake up about 545 to hit the road, uh, to head down to Bowling Green. So I have a little bit of sleep, but, uh, and then come back that night because I got to go to church on Sunday. There's nothing more important than that. So, uh, but again, thank you guys for listening, always listening, tuning in. It's a blessing to be able to do this. Like I said, um, look forward to uh, watching more games on Thursday. Again, UConn, if you guys don't know, I do a, a weekly show about UConn football. They play Thursday night. Thursday, August 31st is also my birthday. So I'm hoping uh, to get a good birthday gift on that end from the UConn Huskies. But Again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoy this. Please uh, like, subscribe if you ever listen to the podcast. And if you would, uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast, usually it's on Spotify for me. Uh, give me a rating. Uh, give the podcast a rating. Five stars. I, I, I would love if you if you love it that much. Give it a five-star rating. It really helps the show. Gets us gets me promoted as much as possible. But also follow the podcast x account twitter account at tnt college foot one feel free to follow me personally at coach underscore b will uh, also on facebook 
Same thing at TNT TNT College Football. And then on the stunt at TNT College Football 1, if you don't know the stunt, you got to get on top of that. The biggest growing platform in sports, get in while you can. It's going to be huge. It's going to be special. The people on there are fantastic. Great group of people that I love interacting with on a daily basis. You guys need to get on that, that platform. But again, thank you guys for listening. Everybody have a good night. God bless.